Men, if you call every man your home for getting in, getting healthy, getting strong, and getting going, then we have a special ask for you. We need men like you to stand in the gap with us as we take back territory for God's kingdom with our new giving campaign. We're calling it the 12 for 12 giving campaign. And all it takes is $12 a month for 12 months. Now your commitment and donation will help us reach our 20 city goal with our Dangerous Good Conference in 2021. And we can't do this without your support. Now, if you haven't noticed, every man is on the move and we've been able to build an army of strong men that are choosing Jesus over the world. You know why? That's because of people like you that help our ministry thrive, especially in these difficult times. So will you join us and commit to donating $12 for 12 months? Every dollar equals change, not only in the men, but also change for the women, children, and communities connected to these men. Thank you in advance for your support and God bless. Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, you're just going to want to hold a spot in Matthew chapter 23. We're in part two of a series that we're calling The Inner Man. All right? And in part one, just by way of review, what we're talking about is the human soul. All right, Your inner man. And we, we established through God's word that your inner man, your human soul, is hardwired by God to secure worth and secure meaning and secure acceptance. And if you remember from part one, my analogy of an air-to-air missile and how it seeks out a heat signature and how it doesn't stop until it runs out of fuel or it secures its target. That's how the human soul is wired. And securing worth and acceptance in a human soul, that can happen meaningfully in God or it can happen synthetically in the world or in culture, right? We can secure worth in healthy ways, or we can tease the inner man, tease the soul, and secure it in unhealthy ways, and it ends up that we don't secure anything at all, all right? We can discover on this journey of the soul God's intention, or we can be duped into a dark trap by the world and the flesh and the devil. And here's what's at stake. What's at stake is when you discover permanent Christ-centered worth, you get rest and a permanent peace inside. If you continue to seek out worth and significance and meaning out in culture, right, you're just going to keep searching. You're going to keep Uh, engaging external sources of worth, temporary fixes, and your soul dilemma is never going to be solved. The target will always be moving. You'll always be thirsty. You'll never discover permanence of peace and worth, all right? And what we've established in part one is that God's love secures that peace for the human soul on the inside. God's love secures the rest that peace provides on the inside, and God's love communicates and secures worth on the inside. The solutions that we see out in broken male culture that are sponsored by Satan in that broken male culture do not secure peace on the inside or rest. In fact, they produce more anxiety because you never achieve it, and then they produces restlessness because you can't get it, and 
lack of worth because you keep failing to find it. And so, as you can see, this is a huge spiritual battle. And the issue for us, the issue for God's man, men of faith, is to live out of God's love and to live in God's love while at the same time we battle and we reject those synthetic substitutes for worth out there in the world. So to do that, in part two, we have to let God point out what I'm calling our spiritual blind spots, and we're going to get into that in a second. But here's where we're headed. Very familiar pattern. If you're just joining us for the first time, usually what we do is we we get God's mind on that topic, and that's what we're going to do during this time. Get God's mind on our inner man. Uh, We're going to unpack that. We're going to identify kind of a core theme that you can take away on this subject of the human soul, your inner man. And then we're going to identify and deal directly with what I'm calling spiritual blind spots, right? And then we're going to talk about how to get clean in your inner man and rid yourself of some of these spiritual blind spots. So first, let's get God's mind uh, on your inner man. We're going to start with Job chapter 38, verse 36. If you have downloaded the notes, that's the first scripture uh, in your notes. It says this, who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind, right? So what we read there with respect to your inner man is that God wants you to have insight, all right? Would you say that with me? Insight. Yeah, he wants you to have an accurate, he wants you to have a deep, he wants you to have an intuitive understanding of who you are, why you're here, and where you are headed, and that's going to become evident as we as we go forward in today's study. So God wants you to have insight. He wants you to have wisdom in your innermost being, and he wants you to have insight in your mind into who am I, why am I here, and what does my future hold? The next scripture that we read about the inner man is in Psalm 51.6, and this goes to what God wants to see happening in our inner man. It says this, Behold, you, God, desire truth, in the innermost being, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. So God wants to put insight and wisdom in you. That's one of his goals. But then he wants us on the inside working and living out of truth. He wants us to have a strong and confident and secure relationship with what's true, what's true about you, what's true about him, what's true about other people. He wants us working and operating out of truth, right, in our inner man. The third scripture on your notes comes from John chapter 7, verse 38, where Jesus connects belief and your inner man. He says this, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. How refreshing does that sound, right? Where our believing determines the quality of our inner man at any given moment. Now, there's something that we should say again, that what we are believing determines the quality of our being or inner man at any given moment. So let's just unpack three truths that we just got out of God's word, which is God's mind, on your inner man. Number one, I need insight before I invest energy. I need insight before I invest energy. What does that mean? Uh, It means that God wants us to know 
wisdom. He wants us to have insight, accurate, deep, intuitive understanding before we make choices, right? He wants us to have accurate, deep, intuitive understanding about who we are, why we're here, where we're going before we start making choices, right? Just kind of common sense, but a lot of times, instead of uh, waiting on the insight, we just run ahead and start investing energy, and that's a tragedy. Insight without, with insight, let me back up, activity without insight, right, results in catastrophe, right, impulse. Secondly, I need to know what God knows about me. That's from Psalm 51.6, right? The truest thing about you and I is what God says is true. And God wants you to know that. That's why He's the Bible says you desire truth in our innermost being and in the hidden parts, the part that people can't see, your inner man, he wants to make you know wisdom, all right? Third, we glean from John chapter 7 in the words of Jesus that we need a pure source of life to draw on from the inside. That's why Jesus says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water, all right? So as we talk about those insights and the things that we need, if you want to set up the spiritual battle, Satan, disguised as culture, wants the exact opposite of the things that we just unpacked, all right? He doesn't want you to have insight. He wants you to operate on impulse, and he wants your body to go before your brain and the insight that's in your brain. Satan also does not want you to know what God knows about you or what God says about you. Third, Satan doesn't want you to have a pure inner source to draw on to secure worth. He wants you to have an impure, unhealthy source outside of you to draw on, all right? So there's the spiritual battle. So let's let's conclude uh, our core theme for today, our inner man fact. Write this down. Things outside me cannot solve the dilemmas within me. That's the battle. Either we try to solve things from the outside in, rearrangement of our circumstances, uh, external uh, fixes, changes to our life, transitions, uh, etc., or the dilemmas within us are solved from within through God in healthy ways, all right? So what we're going to do is what we did in part one. We're going to ask God right now to begin that process of giving us what we need on the inside so that we can solve that dilemma, secure worth, peace, and rest through wisdom and revelation on the inside. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19, and it's a prayer, and I'm just going to speak it right now over you, over me, and over this community of men in this study. For, it says this in Ephesians 1, 15 to 19. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches 
of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Yeah, the scripture is talking about your inner man. It's a prayer about what your inner man needs. And what we see in Ephesians 1 is we just prayed for wisdom and revelation for what? To know God better. That's how we transform from the inside out. You got to know God and you got to know him on a progressive, better basis, right? So the Apostle Paul here is praying for believers. I just prayed for you. We just prayed for each other that in the inner man of all the inner men that are joining us today, that they're going to get wisdom and they're going to get revelation, new knowledge, so they can know God better. That's number one. Number two, that scripture tells us that we need a clear vision of the future. We need to know God better. We need a clear vision of the future, right? It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened and in order that you may know what? The hope to which he has called you. That's the future that God has for you, all right? So our inner man needs a clear vision of the future. And then third, we just prayed that we would know the power that is ours, that we possess because we believe. So we need to know God better. We need to know a clear vision for the future. We need to know power where? Inside, right? And that's the prayer for our study. Um, so what a great little lesson, little mini lesson as we get started. And now we, we need to go a little bit deeper and talk about what we call spiritual blind spot. And the question in the notes says, do you have a spiritual blind spot? Now, if you own a car, most cars today have a little indicator that, that, that talks about or that communicates to you while you're driving your car that there's someone right here. You can't, they're out of your peripheral, they're out of your central, they're in the blind spot, right? So we know what a blind spot is. It's where you don't have an awareness of someone or some thing that's, that's there, right? And the Bible says uh, that it's very easy for human beings to have blind spots. I know you agree, right? You probably know a few of them, uh, and I know someone who definitely has some blind spots. But we can have blind spots of character that we are not self-aware of, right? Every man has them. And spiritual blind spots uh, in your relationship with Christ, we can have those two and that, those are things where we're unaware of, but that are hindering, right, our connection with Christ. So I set that up kind of as a context. We've got to define what a blind spot is. It's when you're unaware of someone or something. Every man has blind spots of character. What we don't want is we don't want to have a blind spot, something we're unaware of that gets in the way of our connection with Jesus Christ. And as Jesus came into the world and as he launched his public ministry, he was bumping in to spiritual men who had massive spiritual blind spots. And he reserved, let's just say, some choice words uh, for religious men with religious blind spots, right? Here he is, God in the flesh standing in front of him, and they don't even recognize him, but they're living for God, and they're doing things in the name of God, and they can't even recognize God right in front of them. And so let's roll the film in Matthew 23. This is a dialogue 
uh, of Jesus with uh, this group of religious guys who are doing a lot of activity for God with no insight in their inner man into God. This is what Jesus says to them. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Wow. Now those words should speak into every man of faith that's listening to this live stream. All right, we have Jesus talking about and giving a metaphor for what needs to happen, all right? And what needs to happen to connect with him is not a bunch of religious activities, right? These guys, these teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they had all these religious activities on the outside that gave the appearance of being really spiritual and really religious, and it projected an image. But on the inside, on the inner man, in their soul, they were restless, they were getting their worth and acceptance and approval in worldly ways. So you see the Messiah standing in front of these religious men who feel that they are religious because of their outer activities, but they lack the insight right, that God wants to give them. They don't see the Messiah sitting in front of them, and he's pointing out the problem. He's seeing past their image and right into their inner man and how they're really operating. You know, that should cause us all to kind of pause because Jesus doesn't see your outsides. Jesus doesn't buy religious images. Uh, maybe people do, but he looks directly past all that and right into your soul, into your inner man, who you really are. And so what we want to do is we want to kind of follow along that dialogue, just sentence by sentence, unpack what's G what Jesus is saying to men who have a spiritual blind spot and what it results in. And number one, a spiritual blind spot results in misplaced energy. Write that down. So Jesus, he, he brings up a picture that is very common to every person then, every person now, doing dishes. He says in his dialogue with these religious guys, you clean the outside of the cup, but inside... They are full of greed and self-indulgence. So the cup is the experience of the life, right? And so Jesus is saying, okay, you're, you're kind of cleaning the outside of, of the cup, but it's the inside of the cup that defiles. Now, how many of you would ever pour uh, something clean and fresh and pure Inside, let's say, uh, a dirty spaghetti bowl, right? It's been sitting in your sink, 
Outside's perfect. Inside has dried pasta and tomato sauce. And, and you got to put something fresh away. Would you pour what is pure and fresh and good inside of a dirty spaghetti bowl? Right? You get the point. Right? He's pointing out the fact that their energy has been so focused on their external image of appearing religious that they've neglected what God actually looks at, which is the inside of their life, their soul, their inner person, their heart, how they think, what's going on in their affections, what's going on um, in their desires, right? And, uh, and, and Jesus is saying, man, you, you, you gotta, you gotta clean that out, all right? Um, in Mark chapter 7, another conversation, um, Jesus is talking about where God wants to work, which is where we need to work, where we need to put our energy. And he's, he's pointing this out, again, so that we can get to work and put the energy where it needs to go. He says this in Mark 7, it is what comes from the inside that defiles you, for from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So if you just listen to Jesus' words for face value, he's saying, hey man, if you really want to change, if you want to, if you really want a new life, if you want a good life, if you want a better life, if you want a pure life, you got to get a work on what's inside because it's the things inside. It's the thoughts that turn into actions that turn into evil, that turn into harm. You got to go to the source. You got to start right at the beginning. Where do all those things start? Well, uh, Jesus says they come from the inside and work their way outside, for from within, out of a person's heart. So again, God does not want us to misplace our energy in terms of um, living the life that he intended for us. To live the life he intended for us and to secure worth and peace through God's love, we got to work on the inside. Don't misplace your energy trying to build a religious image, be in the right places so that people can see you, say religious words so people can admire you, have all the Bible knowledge in the world so people can respect you, all right? God's not looking at that. Are some of those things good and important? Yeah, after your energy has been put to work on your insides. Secondly, a spiritual blind spot results in misplaced emphasis, all right? And the, the, these two thoughts kind of go together. When you have a spiritual blind spot, you're putting energy in the wrong place. And when you're putting energy in the wrong place, you're emphasizing the wrong thing. Jesus goes on to say, and he paints a picture. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, all right? So he's saying, you know what? Your emphasis is looking a certain way, projecting an image. Um, a certain way. You know, I'm sure that you have come into a situation where you've known someone who's, whose Christianity, whose faith, boy, it looks a certain way, and it looks 
put together, you know? Don't we respect guys who have their life put together? And, and, and we, we swallow, accept that appearance, you know? I see him here, I see him there. He uses God words. Um, he's serving over here. Um, he's got an image, right? And uh, then we discover that there were inner things going on that got acted out, and man, is it ever confusing, right? The appearance versus the reality. The perception, right, versus the reality. And the pain that comes with perceiving someone one way and then realizing there was so much wrong in their soul and so much wrong on their inner man. That's what Jesus is saying. They're winning the battle of images among men, but they're losing, listen, they're losing the battle for connection with God on the inside, right? Uh, Jesus would point this out regularly in Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. He says this, these people, right, the beautiful religious people who have all the activities and the words and the behaviors on the outside, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, Jesus is pointing out that religious activity does not equal connection with God. There has to be uh, inner wisdom, inner revelation, um, inner works, right, to connect with God in your heart, not in your energy or your emphasis, right, in your heart on the inside. There's an authentic, real connection with Jesus from the inside out. Now, what's the right emphasis. Well, the man after God's own heart, David, uh, after he got stuck seeking out worth and meaning out here, and Psalm 51 is him realizing what needs to happen, what happened, how he fell. And in verse verses 10 and 11, listen to what he says. Okay, so he's realized he's kind of looked for worth outside not inside, outer solutions, not the inner work. And he says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit, where? Within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Those are two things that are happening on the inside of the man after God's own heart and every man of God. There's, there's God's presence and there's the Holy Spirit. And that's the manifestation of God's presence. In fact, the Bible says for every person who has placed their faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ, that God pours the Spirit into that person. But we can have the Spirit of God, but not be looking to the Spirit of God who dwells within us to manifest the life of God through the love of God inside. We can start looking for worth and meaning outside, even though we have this precious possession of God's presence through God's Spirit. But David after just realizing the mistake and the misplaced emphasis, he goes, you know what? I need a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. He gets to work on the inner man. Now, we're going to get to exactly how the heart is made clean when you've discovered, like David did, that you've been looking to other things to secure worth and acceptance and meaning, all right? 
So a spiritual blind spot results in misplaced energy. A spiritual blind spot results in a misplaced emphasis. Third, spiritual blind spot results in a missed connection. And one follows, that one follows the first two. If you're misplacing your energy in your relationship with God and misplacing the emphasis, when you're looking to things God says don't look at to get your worth and peace and meaning and significance, you're going to miss God altogether. And I know for some of you that are watching this, you've been wondering, why am I missing God? You know, I hear about this relationship with God, but why am I missing it? It's because of where you're putting your energy. It's into all this activity and all these externals and the emphasis is on how you appear to people and you do all that in the name of God, but then guess what happens? You miss God completely and that's what um, Jesus says to the Pharisees and he says it in two words. He says, blind Pharisee. Now, that means that they can't see. They don't have insight. They don't know about themselves what God knows about them. They don't have a pure source of life to draw on. They're drawing on uh, impure cultural sources of worth and meaning and approval, and they're doing it in the name of God. And so no wonder there's an exclamation point after this declaration and exclamation. Blind Pharisee, Jesus says, Right? They're believing lies. They're, they're in pride, their outer man, their image, all in the name of God. When you're in the lie and you're in pride and you're focused on the outer man and your image and getting approval and worth and meaning out there versus in here, in the name of God, that's what will happen. You will become actually more blind, maybe than someone else who isn't doing it in the name of God. Jesus was this group of guys. Uh, Jesus had a lot of dialogue with them, and, and I want to roll the film on a dialogue in Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, because it's, you know, the missed connection, the blind Pharisee, man, and then he just says to them, uh, okay, so if you don't want to be blind, uh, here's what you got to know. And we roll the film in Luke 17. He says this, now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, listen closely, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you, right? There we go. That's what we talked about right at the outset. Right? If you're looking for a connection and experience with God, it is not gonna come through religious behavior and human approval through religious behavior, it's gonna come through God working inside of you. You partnering in faith with God's presence, you partnering in faith with God's love, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Indeed, he says to these guys who are totally seeking worth in the wrong way, the kingdom of God is within you. Right? You can't go, oh, there it is, or oh, there it is. You can't point to anything external. God is at work right, in the inner man and in the human soul. Why? Because he built the soul to experience relationship with him. He built the soul to experience his intention. And his intention for your inner soul, your inner man, 
is that you feel and sense and experience your personal worth through the love of God in Christ. So, you know, spiritual blind spots result in misplaced energy, uh, a misplaced emphasis, uh, and they result in a missed connection. Like, there's a whole realm of relationship with God you're missing if you're not focused on your inner man. Fourth, spiritual blind spots result in misshapen character. Right? This is going to create a type of person from the inside out. If you're misplacing your energy and trying to get worth out in the world, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, right? if you've got the emphasis on making something happen so that your image all right, projects a certain message, all right, you're going to miss God. God isn't, God isn't at work out here in those externals. He, the kingdom of God is at work within us. We're going to miss Jesus, and then what's going to happen is we're going we're to believe lies, and we're going to become the wrong person. So Jesus labels this in his discussion in our primary passage in Matthew 23 with these religious guys. He calls them hypocrites. He says, you hypocrites, inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Wow. That means that their claim of God betrays their life in God. It means their activity doesn't have integrity connected to their true identity. They're hypocrites. And that's convicting, right? And there is a label that Jesus assigns to uh, unhealth on the inside. It's hypocrisy and wickedness. It's actually wicked to claim the name of God, but seek worth apart from God in the world. I want to say that again. It's wicked in Jesus' eyes to claim the name of God, but to seek worth and significance apart from God. So because their energy was misplaced, because the emphasis was in the wrong place, because they missed a connection on the inside with the love of God through Christ and the person of Christ, their character uh, became misshapen. And what I mean by that is that it wasn't shaped according to God's intention. There are some of you that are listening to me and you're just going, whoa. You know what? I'm divided between what I believe and how I live and think. All right? That's when we lack spiritual integrity and there's some hypocrisy there, right? And no one's perfect. We don't have perfect spiritual integrity. What I'm talking about is there are dimensions of your life that... You know uh, what God says, but you intentionally are not living out what God says. And there is a claim to know and love God, but there is conduct that betrays the claim. Get what I'm saying? Right? And so that needs to be dealt with. You have a spiritual blind spot, right? And um, in, in the Gospels, in Luke's Gospel, again, chapter 11, Jesus is talking about people who are connected to him and they claim the light, right? Because Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. 
and there is a connection to the light, there's a connection to Christ, but that connection to Christ can be mishandled, all right? Listen to what he says in Luke 11. He says, the eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is full of light, but when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness. So you have the body, you have the eye, all right? And I, biblically, eyesight is insight, all right? So it's things you're perceiving and taking in. Um, and the Bible says, but when it is bad, your whole body is also is full of darkness, then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light, listen to these words, with no part of, no part, with no dark part in it. Okay, so you have a believer, they claim the light, but you know, they have they might have a dark part. Jesus is saying, if your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illumined as when a lamp illumines you with its rays. And so it's a picture of a person who is in relationship with God, and they started a relationship with God, and they claim a relationship with God, but then they have this part of their lives which is dark, and it's cutting off power, all right? So spiritual blind spots, right? They result in misplaced energy, misplaced emphasis. We miss God. Our character gets misshapen, but we're making the claim we're people of light, but then we're, we're without power. And, but if we deal with the blind spot, then Jesus says, then you'll be wholly illumined as, as when a lamp illumines you with rays. You know, Jesus calls us the light of the world, but if you're a Christian and you have a spiritual blind spot, some area of your life where you're believing a lie um, on your, in your inner man, you're looking to things outside of God to experience life in God, which makes no sense. Uh, it's hypocritical, it's wicked, and your power is cut off. Now, I just want to talk to uh, many men uh, that are out there listening to this live stream. Um, you're a Christian, but there's a dark corner in your life. And Jesus himself has just told you why you're not experiencing uh, peace, why you're not experiencing worth, why there is a restlessness and anxiety to your life. It's because there's a dark part of it. And that part needs to be dealt with because Jesus wants you on full power. He wants you wholly illumined, right? He wants your light to shine. He wants you at full power, but you got to deal with the dark corner. There's a foothold in your life, and we need to clean out our inside. So that's where we're headed now. How do I cleanse the inside of my cup? Remember Jesus's words? It's right there on your notes. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside of the cup will be clean. All right, we become useful. It's not in your notes, but you know the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that we can be vessels for honor, sanctified, clean, useful, right? There's a, there's a connection between being clean on the inside and being useful to God, 
useful to the master, prepared for every good work. We want to be that vessel that God uses, but we got to get clean on the inside, the Bible says. So how do you do that? Okay, this is going to be a really important, life-changing discipline that you might have to do every day. But we have to be clean on the inside if we want God's power and love to flow on the inside and give us worth and peace and rest and power. All right, first thing we got to do is I have to expose the lies that I've believed. Uh, there are many of you watching and you believe that, that your social capital is more important than God's love. There are many of guys that are watching right now that believe the bigger their bank account, that bank account is more important to them than God's love inside of them. There are many guys uh, who, who believe that, um, that you know attractiveness, physical attractiveness is more important and that gives you your juice, gives you your worth. Uh, that's more important than becoming right in your inner man. And it's a lie. It is a lie. That is not how you secure worth. That is not how you secure acceptance. That's not how you secure significance. All of those things die with you. The love of God and getting your worth and significance from that goes with you to heaven. And not only does it put you at peace and rest, you start living in it and living out of it, and you become God's light to a world that is dark. Listen to what the scripture says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. It says this, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But Here's the good news. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is one of the most encouraging passages of scripture that you can ever read as a believer because what it's saying is it's dysfunctional for a Christian to say, I don't have sin. I don't have issues that I need to deal with. I, I don't have any blind spots, really. That's dysfunctional because why do you need a savior and why do you need cleansing if you don't have sin and blind spots, amen? But we have to expose those things, right? The best disinfectant for polluted beliefs is the light of reality. And right now, God is shining like a spotlight. I can see it. Some men are having God's spotlight, and it's shining on a certain lie that led, that was believed in terms of what would bring meaning or purpose or worth. And you believed that lie. And God is shining the spotlight on the lie that you believed because it led to a behavior that you're now in. And God says that you need to walk in the light now. And he's exposed it for you. And not only has he exposed it for you, what you believe, he wants you to talk to him about it and he wants you to tell someone else. So there's a prophetic word for those of you who God is shining his spotlight right now on an area of your life on a lie that you believed with respect to 
your purpose, meaning, worth, significance. You believed a lie that got you into behavior that's hurting your relationship with God, damaging your soul, keeping you restless and anxious. And God says that his light is now on it, and you need to talk to him about it, which we're going to do, and you need to talk to someone else about it. All right, so that's the first thing we do. We have to expose the lies that we believe. Second, we have to express our sorrow for how we behaved. Lies, when believed, lead to behaviors. Behaviors reflect beliefs. Our beliefs can be rooted in truth or lies. So if you believe the lie and you want to get clean on the inside, you got to expose the lie that you believe, but then you have to express genuine sorrow over how that lie led to a behavior right? That led to a belief that led to a behavior. Look at what it says here in 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, right? We've got to agree with God about that's a lie. He says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That word confess in the original language just means to agree with God. We need to agree with God and say, that's a lie, and I believed it. And then because I believed it, I started behaving in response to what I believe, and God, I'm sorry for both the belief and the behavior. And wouldn't you agree that there's a right way and a wrong way to say you're sorry? The Bible puts the wrong way and the right way uh, into language in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. says this, Godly sorrow, the right way, brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Now let me just explain the right way. Godly sorrow, all right? That means that there is true remorse, all right? You've, you've been exposed and you see the, the lie that led to the belief, that led to the behavior, and you're like, that fractured my relationship with God and probably fractured relationships with people. And I'm sorry because I'm sad about the hurt of fracturing my relationship with God and hurting others around me because that's kind of the consequence. When you, when you fracture this, this is not going to go well. That's godly sorrow. And it brings repentance. Both brings a change of mind, right? Change of thinking and a change of living. There's your definition of repentance, right? And it leaves no regret because you owned it. You, that's what a man does. All right? You've owned it. Leaves no regret. Sorry, God. <laughs> I see it. Own it. And man, if you need to apologize to people, you do that too. That's what a man does. Leaves no regret. You cleaned it up. All right? But worldly sorrow brings death. Here's what worldly sorrow is. Worldly sorrow isn't, I'm sorry because there's been relational fracture. Worldly sorrow is transactional regret. I got caught. And I'm sad that I got caught, right? There's no real concern about this. There's no real concern about your relationships with people. You're just sad. Oh my gosh, 
I have this image that I was trying to keep up and I'm sad that my image just got blown up. Worldly sorrow, right? Not relational repentance with God and with people. You got caught or you got exposed and you're just sad that now you got to change or you have to be, be, be more responsible, all right? Which is inconvenient, all right? But you'll do it. Worldly sorrow. It's see how it's transactional versus relational. So number one, I exposed the lies I believed, right? Second, I expressed sorrow, right? I talked to God. I talked to people. I show in that I have, I, I've seen it. I own it. Third, I renew my commitment to truth. Look at what it says in Psalm 119, verses 10 and 11. I seek you with all my heart. How do you do that? Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? So if I expose the lies and I express sorrow, what's my next step? I have to get truth to replace the lies. The psalmist says, I'm seeking you now in a fresh way with all my heart. I got to find how you think. I got I to gotta see what you say about this. Don't let me stray, right? Don't let me wander again from your commands. I have to root myself in what God says. And then he says this, I have hidden your word where? In the inner man, in my heart, that I might not sin against you, All right? So that third step is critical. If you believed a lie and you've expressed sorrow over the behavior that the lie created, then you have to take the next step, which, to, which is to replace the lie with the truth, believe the truth, and behave out of the truth. Make sense? But we got to renew our commitment to the truth. Some of you watching me right now, you have to renew your commitment to God's word. You've strayed, you've wandered from his truth, which then made you vulnerable out here. You said no to this, you said yes to that. You kind of believe the lies that were out there with respect to what is a man, what gives him significance, what gives him worth. You poured yourself into that, and then now you're paying the price, and we're in this process now where on the inner man and the inner soul, we got to do some work. So we're going to say, that was a lie. I'm sorry for believing that my worth comes from whatever cheap substitute is out there. And we need to do it with godly sorrow thinking relationally, not transactionally. And now we need to replace the lie we believe with truth. And then we need to believe that truth that God says on that issue. And then we need to behave out of the truth. Fourth, I need to repent with new actions in faith. So I expose the lies. I express sorrow. I renew my commitment to truth. And then I repent with new actions in faith. All right? So real transformation, godly transformation that comes from godly sorrow results in Holy Spirit, God-empowered change. Listen to what uh, John the Baptist said, re true repentance uh, looks like in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So if I truly repent, if I'm truly sorry, if I've exposed the lie and I've recommitted to the truth, if that's the source that I'm living out of, then that new attitude and new belief is going to lead to new action and new behavior, new fruit. So fruit reflects the source, okay? And the Bible says, produce fruit in keeping with that change of heart 
that change of mind by changing your actions. You see, true beliefs lead to, to new behaviors. I want to say that again. True beliefs, if you really believe the truth, believing in truth leads to new behaviors, right? Especially when you're replacing lies with truth, all right? Claims of change, right, are not valid until new conduct is visible, right? That's common sense. Have they really changed? Well, what actions are they taking? Well, they still believe what they used to believe because there's no actions. Or, man, they believe something new about this issue, and man, their beliefs are turning into behaviors they've changed. The Bible talks about this in James chapter 2, verses 17 and 19. It says this, In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. No pulse. But someone will say, hey, you have faith, I have deeds. And then the Bible says, hey, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. If you have a Bible, you're taking notes, you might want to circle that. Faith is expressed in action. That is the biblical model. All right, so faith isn't just saying, well, you know, yeah, I believe that. No, if you truly believe something, your behavior is going to change. And you're going to risk the behavior in faith. God is calling us men, right, to expose the lies, to express sorrow, to renew our commitment to truth, and then repent with new actions. Everybody say new actions. New actions. You know, I got to do this every day. I do it as, as often as I have to do it. Why? Because I'm growing in that inner man. Right? God wants to see this happening inside of me. And how do I do that? How do I, how do I scrub and kind of etch a sketch or get a clean slate? Man, I have to do that through confession and repentance. And that's the four-step process that we just went through. And every man watching this needs to do this as a spiritual lifestyle and as a spiritual discipline if you want to grow and be strengthened with power in your inner man through God's love. You see, God wants you visible. God wants your repentance evident. God wants your fruit deployed. God wants the, the changes in your life appreciated. God wants your repentance to glorify him. And so that's where we, we kind of wrap up today's study, right? So the things outside of us can't solve the dilemmas within us, all right? We're hardwired to secure worth. We can do it in unhealthy or healthy ways. The healthy way is to do it God's way, right? Through God's love. We have to live out of God's love and live in God's love. But if we have spiritual blind spots, right? If we are claiming a relationship with God, but looking to different things out here for approval, right? How can we claim a relationship with God and reject the love of God as our source of worth? And that's why you're restless. But there's a way. Jesus said, first clean the inside of the cup and dish. And let's go to prayer right now. And let's do this process. God, we, we, see, we see where you want to work in our lives. We see that it's not the religious stuff that we do. Those things support our inner life. They don't make us new from within. 
And so we see where you are at work and we see what you want to do. You want us to have wisdom and insight and intuition and understanding in our inner man. But Lord, we have these blind spots. There's parts of ourselves that that are wounded, that are insecure, that are anxious, that are rooted in fear. And those blind spots cause us to look to sources outside of you for worth and meaning. And Lord, we, we recognize it, we see it. That's a lie. Worldly worth is a lie. You said, Jesus, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus, you want us to let go of every source of worth and meaning outside of your love. And we admit that. And now, God, we just, we're sorry. God, we don't, we want to be connected to you. And, and we know that when we pursue worth outside of you, it, it, it misshapes our character. We miss you. And so we're sorry. We want relationship back. Lord, we just renew our commitment to your truth. Lord, we expose that lie. Worth isn't out there, it's in here. And it's the kingdom of God is within us. And you say that we can be rooted and grounded in your love, Lord. And we can be strengthened with power in our inner man. That's the truth. And so we want that. Now, let the truth sink deep within us. And then let it come out of us in new actions, right? Help us to produce fruit today because we're living in your love and living out of your love lord we have faith in your love for us your unconditional courageous never-ending eternal love for us lord and now let us live out of it with some new actions god some new actions help us to stop caring about what people think help us to let go of old lies Help us to live for the audience of one. Help us to stop caring what the world thinks and to care more about what you think, Lord. Those would be some actions that you would want us to do. God, thank you for touching men right now, even as I'm praying, God. Their insides are renewing. They're cleansed now. They got a new, clean slate to work from, God. Now I pray for them that you would seal through the Holy Spirit right now the commitments that have been made to receive your love afresh and let it define us in every dimension of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We'll see you next week.